I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Today we are looking at a very interesting team from a fantasy point of view. The New Orleans Pelicans, it's their season preview time. Michael Bolton, he wants to hear about it. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it indeed. To talk about the Pelicans, I am joined by the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast, Jake Madison, is here with me. Jake, welcome back to the show. Of course, thanks for having me on today, Josh. Lots to talk about with this Pelicans team, which looks remarkably different than what it did last season. Actually, looks a little bit different than what it did 24 hours ago. With the injury news that has just hit us um, just before recording here, of course, this podcast coming out a couple of days later. But the news is that uh, Darius Miller has torn his Achilles tendon, Jake, and um, that pretty much is the season for him yeah it's gonna basically knock him out for the year the pelicans gave him a pretty big contract this past offseason i don't know if that was necessarily to be for his play on the court or maybe to be included in a trade and bring back a player with significantly more salary this was a guy who was going to get some minutes for the team be that stretch four which is maybe more of his natural position now in the league but overall the Pelicans were going to be in trouble if he was playing significant minutes so I don't think it's a huge blow for the team and I wouldn't have expected him to contribute that much to the team this year so who do you think steps I thought he would be an every night part of the rotation so who do you think steps up into that role as a backup three backup four type of a type of a player who's going to be the guy that perhaps was on the outside looking in that might step into that role you know, I think it's kind of the unknown guy in Nicolo Melli, who they signed out of Italy for this upcoming year, a guy that uh, GM Trajan Langdon has been scouting for a number of years, someone he's wanted to bring to an NBA club, and they gave a guaranteed two-year deal to, so they think pretty highly of him. I think that's the guy. They're, they're going to be experimenting a lot with lineups and rotations this year, I think trying to find what works best around Zion Williamson. And I think a stretch four, which is what the the role that Darius Miller was going to be playing was going to be, and Mel. Uh, Nico Melli is really the other guy who kind of fits that mold uh, on this team. So he's the one who's probably going to get the majority of minutes unless they go out and sign someone. And they've been linked recently to a guy like Joe Johnson. Though I don't think that makes a ton of sense. But I think Melli is the guy who's going to get the bump up in minutes. Yeah, I think Melli I think Melly was going to be in the rotation, actually, regardless of this injury. And this does uh, nothing to, to hurt those chances. He's only going to be a deeper league sort of a fantasy guy. A guy who, as you mentioned, can, can hit threes. Uh, can score a little bit, not a bad rebounder. The other numbers might be a little bit lacking, blocks and steals and assists, all that sort of stuff. On, on the low side, same as field goal percentage, but he's a, a name that, again, I think will be an every-night rotation play, so those of you in deeper leagues do need to pay attention to that. The other injury situation with this Pelicans team is Brandon Ingram, who missed the end of last season with that deep venous thrombosis. What is the outlook for Ingram? Is it a risk of recurring uh, that that injury, which of course is really serious? And uh, we saw players like uh, Mirza Toledovic and Chris Bosch have to deal with other sort of uh, uh, venous or blood-related disorders. Is Ingram's in that similar similar class? 
So I, I'm going to preface this by saying I am not a doctor. So everything I'm going to say is me more or less paraphrasing people who know about this a little bit more. So I wouldn't say hold on to it as necessarily fact, but they're doctors. So I trust what they say. And it sounds like basically it was a blood clot, which we know ended Chris Bosser's career and other guys have had this injury. And it's very scary and very serious. There's risk of death associated with it. And it's something that teams are going to take uh, you know, the highest order and sit guys down. That said, this was a, a blood clot in his upper body, which apparently, according to doctors, is very significantly different than an injury, uh, than a blood clot in his leg or his lower body. And there's much less of a chance of it reoccurring or ending his NBA career with it being in the upper body. So the Pelicans, you know, I don't think they would have made that Anthony Davis trade to bring Ingram back into the team and be a significant piece of it if they were concerned about his long term health from this. I don't know if he's exactly started doing basketball related activities yet but he's on track i think they said he should be healthy for the start of the year so barring any setbacks or things taking any longer i you know i trust the doctors and i don't really see this being a big thing ingram's an interesting one for this season he, he does obviously you know move into a different situation playing not alongside lebron james anymore i've seen some debate as to whether he will actually be a starter on this team or whether they'll go with uh jj reddick in that starting lineup how do you see uh ingram do you think he is you know, pretty much guaranteed that starting small forward job? Yeah, I think so. I think if you want to look at it from a pure fit perspective or a basketball perspective, maybe it makes sense to bring him off the bench as your sixth man and lead that second unit. And we saw what he was capable of in the second half of last year, particularly when LeBron James was out injured and he got to be the focal point of that offense. And he was very, very good during that stretch. So maybe kind of having him with the second unit makes a lot of sense. I don't think you're going to do that, though. I don't think Alvin Gentry is going to do that. I don't think uh, uh, President of Basketball Operations David Griffin wants that to really be the case. So I expect this is a guy who's going to be in the starting lineup. He might not necessarily be in your closing five. Maybe it is J.J. Redick if you decide you need more shooting around Zion Williamson or a guy like Derek Favors. But I think he's a guy who's going to be playing minimum 36 minutes a night. Whether he's in there for the opening tip, yeah, probably. But I think you could make the case that he shouldn't be. Interesting that you said that 36 minutes. That's quite a bit. He played uh, at the end of last season, those final 20 games, 37 minutes a night, and the numbers were pretty good. 21 and a half at six with three and a half assists. Of course, his defensive numbers have always been lacking, but what he did during that stretch was up his free throw percentage to 74, which has always been a problem, and shot 55% from the field, including 57% from two. Now, he still takes absolutely no three-point attempts at all, under two attempts per game each of the last two seasons, and that's always a concern, but he did manage to be in those final 20 games a top one guy. I think that he's worth taking a look at in those mid to late rounds. ESPN's got him ranked 84th. That's almost the top end of where he's going to be. I don't think he gets to that level. Yahoo's got him 110. I think that's completely reasonable to take a flyer on Ingram there, but it is going to require him to play those big minutes and for that shooting to sustain where it was at the end of last season. And neither of those things are 100% guarantees. Also, of course, if he's in a role where he's handling the ball a lot, it is going to help him more. But you know, Lonzo, Drew Holiday, they're going to have the ball in their hands quite a bit. So maybe that is not going to be quite in that optimum, situ- optimum situation for Brandon Ingram coming into this season. Let's talk, though, now about the... Um about the leader on this team, and that is Drew Holiday, who I think is borderline a first-round fantasy player for this season. He was the 17th best player last season in 36 minutes a night. The question I'll start with you, Jake, is uh, is he going to be playing those big minutes again? 
Yeah, I, I think so. I think, you know, they'll try and dial it back a little bit compared to last year where for the first half of the year they were playing him an excessive amount. I don't think they want to do it to that degree again. But this is the guy that's the focal point of the team offensively and defensively under the radar in terms of um, – you there? Yeah, yeah. We had just having some uh, difficulties. Uh, it, yeah. Go ahead, Jack. Okay, sorry. Yeah, this guy who's obviously going to be very, very good. He was excellent last year. He's going to get as many shots as he wants. He's going to kind of be the focal point of the offense. So I think he's going to get, you know, uh, like I said, probably the leading shot taker on this team. He's going to probably lead the team in minutes. He's been pretty durable the past couple of seasons now that he's gotten past some of those bigger injuries that he had earlier on in his career. And more or less when they've shut him down, just to kind of hold him out of certain things and not put too much of a toll on his body. But I wouldn't be surprised to see his minutes per game decline a little bit uh, during next season. I was in a debate with someone over on the Basketball Monster Forum. Someone said that I was ridiculous for thinking that he could get near 25 points per game. He did average uh, 21 last season, got up to 23 in those games without Anthony Davis. How far do you think he can push it, given the fact that I think the the Pelicans are going to want to play at an even faster pace than what they played last season? No, I I agree with you. I've seen some people say 28, 29 points. I think that's excessively high, but I think 25 is probably the right number. He's a pretty good three-point shooter. He's best when he works a little bit off ball, too, and now you've got Lonzo Ball there to take over the primary playmaking duties. That'll be the point guard. It shifts Drew to his more natural position that he likes playing, where he can just kind of be a cutter and do whatever he needs to do to try and score. And you've heard David Griffin just sing his praises the entirety of this offseason saying he thinks he can be an MVP candidate next year. I think that's a bit extreme, but certainly this is a guy who kind of has done it all now, and he was a borderline all-star, in my opinion, last year. And, you know, obviously the defensive upside is there. We see it with the steals and everything. So he's going to have, I think, a big year and surprise a couple of people. He also is a really good shot blocker as a guard. He was pretty efficient last year. That might drop off a little bit this season. He also had a... uh weirdly poor uh, three-point shooting season, just 33%. He can be better than that. He's going to get uh, plenty of assists. He was at 7.7 last season. Maybe that drops off just a little bit with Lonzo Ball around. But I think he is really strong at the start of the second round for fantasy drafts. ESPN's got him ranked at 26. That is an absolute steal. Fantrax ADP 23. Again, real steal there. Yahoo at 17. I still think there's value in Drew. So I'm big on Drew, especially with a lot of those unknowns at the end of the first round in terms of games played. Joel Embiid, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. We just don't know how often these guys are going to be on the court and someone like Drew I feel a lot more confident saying he's going to be playing 70 plus games whereas those other guys I'm not so sure we can have that same level of confidence with them let's talk Zion Williamson who is um you know, obviously the most hyped prospect we've had in a very long time comes in the immediate starter at power forward, despite what Gilbert Arenas might say is him being a shooting guard which was one of the funniest things we've seen in the last <laughs> couple of months um, Zion didn't play that many minutes at Duke, I mean, like 30 minutes a game. I don't think, I don't, I don't have any concerns really with him coming out there and playing. Like some people say, oh, he is, he's going to get winded. He's only going to play 28 a night. I don't have that concern with him. Do you? No, not really. You know, I, I think it's, it's a good thing that he didn't play a ton in summer league. You kind of saw him out there and it looked like he belongs in the NBA and that he should be out there on a basketball court and that he's physically ready to do it. The conditioning was the kind of the concern that he looked just a little bit out of game shape. Now that he's being held out of the Team USA stuff, they're focusing on getting him ready for the start of the NBA season. I'm not concerned about his weight. I'm not 
concerned about his conditioning. He should be able to play, as you mentioned earlier, in the incredibly fast pace that New Orleans wants to run in. And I think it fits his skill set really well. So, no, you know, I think maybe they, they tone down his minutes as the season goes on just to keep him a little bit fresh. This is a guy who could hit that kind of rookie wall, especially having missed as many games as he did in his lone season at Duke. Jumping to 82 games, I think, is, is a big jump for some of these guys. They're going to be very conservative with him, hence him only playing a half of Summer League and them not risking anything. This is the future of the team. That's maybe the one concern I have about his minutes as the season goes on. The one thing with Zion, well, there's a few things we need to be cautious of. Now, I think there's a legitimate chance that he could be a top 20 fantasy player this season. ESPN's got him ranked at 18. I would never pick him at that spot. Yahoo's got him at 34. I think that's about the right spot. And if you want Zion, you're going to have to go into the third round, maybe second round. In all likelihood, I probably won't draft him anywhere because it's you know, taking a rookie there can be quite risky. But he had such a legendarily high field goal percentage, a legendarily high steal percentage, a legendarily high block percentage. He rebounded the ball extremely well in college. I don't think he's the 70% shooter in the NBA because pretty much no one is unless you're Clint Capella or DeAndre Jordan and all you're doing is dunking. Do you think that more on those defensive numbers, the steal and the block rates, are where, how is that going to come across in the NBA? Because that's really going to be the swing thing in, in uh, fantasy. If he gets one and a half blocks, 1.7 steals, uh, and shoots his 60%, then he's a top 20 guy. If he's at like under a block a game, then he's outside the top 50. So it is a big difference. So how can you see those things coming into the NBA? So in the lead up to the draft and me scouting him and watching basically every one of his games at Duke, that guy is just an absolute monster on the defensive side of the ball. The instincts he has are absolutely uncanny. Look at how he times the jumps of the passing lanes to grab steals and then turn those into easy transition points, how he's strong enough to block most guys and can time his jumps really well. It helps him as a rebounder too. And so I think his ceiling in the NBA as a, as a defender is unbelievably high. However, I do think he's actually going to struggle a little bit his rookie year, maybe at least in the beginning, in getting kind of the timing down. The court's a little bit bigger. The spacing's a little bit different. And I wonder if that's going to throw him off to start. So maybe he gambles on a lot of steals, doesn't get him, and it actually hurts the Pelicans defensively. That's where my concern is. I think once he gets kind of the timing down, the you know just the rhythm, the feel of the game, I'm not going to have any concerns because he shows everything. You saw it when he ripped that ball out of uh, Mitchell's hands in summer league and timed that perfectly to turn it into easy points and you can see him making those plays in the nba i wonder if it'll happen right away but i think as the season goes on he gets much better at that sort of thing I'm not going to blame you for getting the player wrong in summer league because it was Kevin Knox and Zion did end his career, let alone his life. So it is, it is pretty. That's right. I had it. So I was thinking the other guy <laughs> the, who's got New Orleans ties and was trying to like stick it to Zion in that game a little bit. He was trying not to be embarrassed. Yeah, Mitch, Mitchell Robinson was going hard in that game, but yeah, it was uh, it was Kevin Knox that he uh, he embarrassed on national TV before the earthquake hit. And, uh, and ended that game. So I think Zion, yeah, third round, is he going to be a top 50 guy? I think he probably will be, but there is some big swing skills there. Will those defensive numbers carry across and what will his efficiency look like? I actually think he can increase his playmaking in the NBA versus what we saw in college. So that's something that I think is going to push him to be a top five guy in the next three or four seasons in terms of fantasy, you know, being a, a 20 and 10 player with one and a half steals and blocks with four assists with you know, elite field goal percentage. There's a lot there. Um, the free throw percentage is something we have to, to watch on See whether that will ever improve, and the three-point shooting, of course. But for now, in that third round, I think it's uh, I think it's reasonable to have a look at him there. A guy who I'm really big on this season 
and I think has been significantly underrated in a lot of fantasy circles, is Derek Favors, who the Pelicans stole for a couple of second-round draft picks. He comes in as the starting center. People don't, a lot of people, maybe not people listen to this podcast, but a lot of people don't realize that he was a top 100 player in 23 minutes a night last season, and there is no way he is playing just 23 minutes a night on this team, is there? No, he's the, the opening night starting center. This guy is going to see a serious bump up in minutes in usage, too. If you dive into some of the tracking data that's available on NBA.com, you know, the Utah Jazz ran a very slow pace. Their offense is very different from what New Orleans is looking to do. But him in transition and early on in the shot clock, which is the two areas you really want to evaluate the New Orleans offense in, he's really good. He's in the 80th and up percentile. I forget the specifics. When it comes to playing in transition and scoring in terms of points per game, that bodes well for him getting out in transition and running with New Orleans. And you mentioned Zion picking up those assists. Zion's going to be able to do a lot of playmaking in transition when he's got a ton of other guys that can run alongside him. And all he has to do is make the right pass to pick up those easy assists. I think Derek Favors is going to be a huge beneficiary of that. I love that it frees up Zion to play the, the power forward position and not the center. I, I love this, uh, this trade for New Orleans, and I think it's going to have huge dividends for him. Derek Favors, uh, ADP on ESPN at 97, Fantrax 93, Yahoo, he was in the 70s, but they have quickly adjusted that. Coincidentally, a couple of days after I did a podcast talking about how he was underranked, he's coming at 37 there. I, I don't often give guarantees in this podcast, but I feel pretty good about saying that Favors is going to be a top 50 player this season and a, a real steal type of a guy, a double-double type of a player, high field goal percentage. Now, last season, he did post the best field goal percentage of his career. His block rate was one of the best we've seen in the two or three years, in the last two or three years of his career, but just giving him these extra seven, eight minutes a night, he is going to be out there putting up numbers and being really, really useful in those mid, uh, early to mid rounds, and you should be looking at him, especially when you can get him so late on so many of these sites. Um, let's, uh, if that's going to make me transition into the, the backup center position now, because a lot of people are really hyped with what they saw from Jackson Hayes in summer league. I'm, uh, I'm pretty cautious in thinking that he's going to be playing much of a role at all this season. I think he's going to be, uh, very much as that third string center. Do you, do you know anything different about that? Will he be in that backup role immediately? No, no, I. Backup role really does fall to Jaleel Okafor right now, who kind of reinvented himself last year, who's been working out with the team and getting in even better shape than he already got himself in last year to kind of reinvent his NBA career and maintain it, I guess. And I think that's who they're looking for. He played pretty well down the stretch, even though he's kind of injured for New Orleans in the absence of Anthony Davis. I think they're being very cautious with Jackson Hayes, who is a very raw product. I think the ceiling on Jackson Hayes is he can probably jump up and touch it, which is, you know, to say his leaping ability is tremendous. We saw what he can do in summer league but he doesn't have much of a jumper he he can maybe shoot a three-pointer he's been working on that a little bit but i think they're going to be cautious with him i wouldn't be surprised if he's not in the g league the majority of the year or bouncing back and forth i don't see him getting significant minutes at least early on in the year maybe that changes once the season you know really gets underway and you're getting closer to the playoffs and if the pelicans don't really have much of a chance you probably see a youth movement and you'll see maybe more of jackson hayes alongside Nikhil alexander walker but to start no i don't don't see him getting significant minutes. I think they really want to take their time 
develop him and not maybe destroy his confidence early if they give him too many minutes and you see him struggle. Yeah, there are a lot of, there are not a lot, there are some people on both Yahoo and ESPN who seem to think he's going to be in the rotation immediately. He's got an ADP on both sides of 137. That's just uh, wishful thinking to me. And I agree with you that he is going to be seeing minimal court time, especially in the early portion of the season. Let's go now to the starting point guard on this team. There are some people who do debate whether Lonzo will actually be starting and they're going to shift Drew Holiday back to point guard and put JJ Redick in there. I don't think there's any question that Lonzo Ball is the starting point guard on this team. Let's uh, let's settle what you think on that first. Uh, no, I think it's him. I think we you see you need it. Drew Holiday has even said it himself. He wants to play off ball. He doesn't mind handling the rock at times and being the primary guy and the creator for the offense, but that's not where he's best suited for, and he realizes this. So I think, you know, Lonzo Ball coming over, he just fits that role very naturally, um, and I think you'll see him kind of fill that role that Alfred Payton played last year, that uh, – uh, Rajon Rondo did two years ago, but maybe be better defensively than those guys are and have a little bit more playmaking than them at times. Uh, you know, the big thing with him is can he shoot the ball well? Can he consistently hit threes and not be a guy that you just leave wide open who goes three for 15, which is what the Pelicans did to him in one game when they played the Lakers last year when he becomes very detrimental to your offense. Um, and I think him working on his free throw shot is going to be really important too. He has no aggression when he plays. You don't see him driving to the rim at all. And I wonder if that's because he knows he's going to get fouled because he doesn't finish through contact well, go to the free throw line and then miss it because he's a sub 50% free throw shooter. But he passes well. We've seen that. And I think that unlocks Drew Holiday and makes Drew Holiday a better player. And for that reason alone, I think you'll see him in the starting lineup and maybe his minutes paired alongside Drew Holiday pretty significantly. The weird thing about his free throw shooting, which has been unforgivably bad, 41% last year, uh, uh, was it 45%, sorry, 42 last year, 45 in his rookie year. In college, he was a what 67% free throw shooter. Like the, the line is the same distance away. It, it's it's a weird thing to have that much of a fall off. I think he could... Look, if anyone was to come out and do a TJ Warren, which he did from the three-point line last year, and increase one of their shooting percentages by 20 percentage points, I think Lonzo has that ability to do that. Uh, even irrespective of that, I think he's a great mid-round player. He's going to block shots as a guard. That fell off a little bit last season, as did his assist rate, but you're not playing alongside LeBron James, who's going to be dominating the ball. That should rise back up. He gets steals. He's a good rebounder. He doesn't shoot the three ball all that well, but 33%. That's better than plenty of players in the NBA. And he takes enough of them to actually have an impact in that category. So I think that Lonzo, he's got a, a rank on Yahoo of 66, which is about the right spot. He could easily be a top 50, top 45 guy. ESPN at 90, there's a, a great steal value that, there for him. So I think in that 50 to 60 range for Lonzo, is probably about the right spot to look to to draft him for this season, even with those issues with his percentages. He does make it up in other areas. And I think there is, in his third year, a real chance for a lot of those percentage numbers to actually jump up and, and jump up pretty con- uh, considerably, which will be interesting to see if that actually does happen. And uh, he could be a real fantasy steal for this coming season. The other player that came across in the trade, we had Lonzo Ball, we had Brandon Ingram. Uh, Josh the Hitman Hart comes across. I am struggling to find exactly where he's going to fit. At best, he's the fourth guard on this team, and that means you're not including Etwan Moore in that, and also Summer League standout Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who, like Hayes, I don't think is going to be in the rotation much this season. Where is Hart fitting in? Like, What sort of playing time is he going to be getting? Yeah, you know, you, you nailed it. I was going to say that. I, was, I I don't know where he fits. Obviously, you've got Drew Holiday, you've got Lonzo Ball. Those are your two-man guys. They're very high on Frank Jackson, who had that 30-point explosion in Summer League 2, um, who would have been a first-round pick after his time at Duke if he had been healthy in his one year there. 
And I don't know where Josh Hart fits in. He kind of took a little bit of a dip last year in his numbers, I know, and his shooting percentage. That might be due to injuries. And I, I just don't know. This is kind of where you start to hit that uncertainty and where preseason training camp in the early part of the regular season is going to be really important. These guys don't play well. They're going to be buried on the bench. And I think you see them lose a lot of value because of that. You know, Alvin Gentry wants to make the playoffs with this team. If Josh Hart comes out and shoots poorly, doesn't really get it going. And we kind of see his ceiling as a player already i think we know who he is there's not much room to grow from there he's going to be riding the pine i think a little bit and other guys are going to be given the chance and you know when you look at it with each one more with frank jackson with him there's almost not enough minutes to go around right there yeah that's that's exactly how it how it feels it just i just don't see where that playing time is going to be because either one of him or more feels like they're just not going to be in the rotation. Yeah, given we've got Drew, Zion, Favors, Ball, Ingram, Redick. Like, there's six guys in the rotation immediately. And you've got Jaleel Okafor as the seventh guy, and Nicola Melli as the eighth guy. And then we've got to try and find you know, minutes here with, with Hart, with Moore, uh, Kendrick Williams, Frank Jackson. Like, who's getting these last couple of spots? It probably is going to be Hart and Moore, especially with that injury to Darius Miller, because if Miller was healthy, one of those guys would have been out almost definitely. Uh, but then, yeah, that means that Jackson and, and Williams and these guys are just not going to be playing regularly. And Alexander Walker, who I, again, I just don't see where the minutes are coming for Nikhil this season. Yeah, exactly. I think that's kind of one of the big, big issues with it. It's you know, it's a good problem to have, and it means you've got some more depth there. So should an injury arise, which always seems to happen for New Orleans, at least you're a little bit protected and you're a little bit covered and you, you, know, you can trot out the next guy up and it's not necessarily going to be the worst guy yet but it means some people are probably going to be unhappy it also probably means Pelicans maybe look to make a trade during the season maybe moving a guy out like each one more who's making eight or nine million this coming year and might be able to kind of be moved and bring uh, back someone who's got a bit more of a position of need he's also an expiring contract that helps too but it's kind of a weird spot this team is in with the end of the bench where you've got some really good players but maybe not really good that's uh, probably an overstatement but you've got some good guys and they're not going to all find time on the court together well when I was initially doing all the projections for the Pelicans on Basketball Monster, trying to fit them into the rotation was hard because there are 15 guys on this roster, all 15 of them who you go, oh, well, they could get rotation minutes. Like even down to Frank Jackson and Kendrick Williams, Darius Miller, Jackson Hayes, Alexander Walker, on plenty of teams, these guys would be all be solid rotation pieces, but they're not going to play 15 guys every night. So you know, a few of these guys, Hayes and Alexander Walker, the first two out, you know, Williams and Jackson or more, or there's so much... Yeah, weirdness with the back end of this roster in terms of overall depth and you know, finding roles for these players is, is pretty tough to do uh, overall. So some guys who have been consistent enough fantasy producers in the past, like Etwan Moore, like even Josh Hart, it's going to be hard for them to get to that same level this season. Even JJ Redick, who was playing uh, quite a bit over in Philadelphia last season, 31 minutes a night, the 101st ranked player, 18 points, three threes a game. I find it really hard to see how he gets to that level again. Yeah, you know, I wonder what his role is going to be. And we talked earlier, you could easily see him out there starting and spacing the court for Zion Williamson, which is going to give him plenty of open shots. The court gravity that Zion has is going to be tremendous this year, alongside Drew Holiday attacking too. But at the same point, maybe you need a little bit more, a guy who's a little bit more well-rounded than a kind of spot-up catch-up shooter like that. And I think that could be a concern. I wonder if maybe J.J. Redick is going to be out there to close certain games. Maybe it's lineup dependent, opponent dependent, uh, which gives him like an air of uncertainty around him. And one of the reasons they also wanted to sign him, too, was to really be a mentor to this young team. I think that's really where they see the value in him, maybe more so than the three-point shooting he brings, which means maybe you don't see him on the court as much as he has been in the past. 
I think that he's an under 30 minute a night guy. He's going to be solid enough to provide threes, very li- limited upside. I think he's still going to score okay, but really as a back back end guy, uh, Fantrax got him an ADP of 93. I, I don't see the value in that. I think he, you know, in the last couple of picks, he's fine, get those points, get those threes in. But I think we all have to brace for the fact that his role is going to be smaller than where it was last season. He's uh, going to come in and be able to at least talk to half this roster about their college experience, considering they all seem to go, go, to, go to Duke. We've got, uh, who is it? There's Zion there. There is uh, Ingram, there's Reddick, there's Okafor, is it, oh, Frank Jackson. Is that it? Is that Frank five Jackson. And, and don't forget Trajan Langdon, the GM, is a Duke <laughs> guy too. So they've kind of, they're building like a Duke South, I guess, here. And I think it's something that's being done intentionally because those guys already are have like a brotherhood go. And you saw Frank Jackson and Zion Williamson hanging out together during summer league like they were best friends when they had basically just met so i think that's intentional if there's if you're wondering for rumors about trades and things like that look for duke guys on the block in the nba maybe um so the pelicans doing all they can to build a, a really fun team into a, a hated team in the nba so that's uh that's good that they can uh, <laughs> good that they can embrace that part of uh, their uh, their roster let's talk julie loco for now who you said did uh, remake himself a little bit last season and put up some impressive numbers he's not going to be much of a fantasy impact guy but as we've stated he is likely just to come in and be that mop-up guy behind favors and at least provide a semblance of scoring in that bench unit yeah i think so i think that's his role come in score some points grab some rebounds play enough defense that you don't just get run off the court and and that's it and that's not bad to have in a backup center let alone a guy on a contract as cheap as his and he's showing that he's really willing to put into the work so for a backup center he could be pretty decent i think and this is a guy who maybe, if it, you know, becomes a spot starter if there's an injury out there, might be able to give you something like 15 and 8 on a nightly basis, potentially. Uh, and I think he's capable of it. It's a guy who's kind of got his, his mental health figured out and right. He's getting his body in shape and he looks like a different person right now. Yeah, he's uh, in a much better spot than where he was a couple of years ago, and congratulations to him for getting that sorted out. His play on the court is a lot better as well, which obviously ties into mental health a lot of the time as well. So Julio Okafor comes in as that nice deeper league backup center with some upside there, of course, if something does happen to Derek Favors. I reckon that's everyone on this roster that we need to talk about. Just a quick value and bust a little hit. I like Derek Favors. He's got an ADP of 93 on Fantrax. There's significant value there. Zion at 18 on ESPN. Oh, look, he could easily end up there, but I think that's really just cutting off any value in it. The only reason you take Zion Williamson at 18 is if you say to yourself, I have to have Zion Williamson on my team in terms of fantasy value. Getting him at number 18 doesn't really make a ton of sense. Jake, Let's uh, let everyone know where they can find you on uh, on Twitter and uh, and the podcast. Yeah, of course. I, I'm on Twitter at Nola Jake, always talking pals, and it's going to be a pretty fun and exciting season, something we haven't seen here in New Orleans in quite a while. Podcast is locked on Pelicans. If you want to know more about Zion Williamson, Drew Holiday, any of the guys coming over in the Lakers trade, that's a spot to be wherever you get your podcast from. All right, th- Jake, thank you for jumping on Locked on Fantasy with me. Of course. Thanks for having me on, Josh. And that'll do it for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on Stitcher, and on YouTube, of course. Leave a comment, give a thumbs up, all that great stuff. Guys, follow me on Twitter at redrock underscore Beeble. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.
Darius Miller.